when when you're in the hospital for an ex- extended period of time, you begin to begin to start developing relationships with people, even if if you don't really realize they're there, or or even if they aren't there, you start to just sense something. Like like this one guy I talked to, his name was Marvin. Marvin was from what uh, was an ex marine, a retired marine, who who I met in the sixth floor ICU waiting room. He was from San Diego. Uh, he was there visiting his sister-in-law. His sister-in-law had had her leg amputated just above the knee, and 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 Marvin. Every time we saw him and talked to him, it was point was quick to point out two things that that he mentioned every time. Number one, never go to the hospital in Danville, Illinois. His sister-in-law was in the hospital in Urbana because Danville messed up, and she had to be taken to that hospital and end up losing her leg. And the second thing he pointed out was, uh, over and over again, he hated cold weather. That's why he lived in California, and he couldn't wait till Saturday because on Saturday he was flying back to San Diego. Or, or maybe like the guy I ran into, I, I didn't never caught his name, uh, but but I ran into an, him in the elevator as well, and he was carrying food back to the sixth floor just like I was, and we we exchanged some pleasantries, and 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 he was kind of rough looking, a little bit rough around the edges. He had some interesting tattoos and some. As far as I'm concerned, some unexplained uh, piercings that I had no idea why he had. But, but throughout the week, we would see each other, maybe just in the hallway, and we would do that knowing kind of nod or, 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 or just a short wave. Or, or maybe it was like the guy that, that I saw in the, the waiting room. He was on one of those motorized uh, scooters, and uh, he was talking on the cell phone. And while he was talking on the cell phone uh, in this motorized scooter, he was slowly just driving forward a little bit and turning around and driving that motorized scooter back a little bit and then back again. And, and I saw him, and I just kind of giggled. So a little bit later, I, I walked up to him, and I said, said excuse me, sir, I, 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 just, I just have to let you know I was kind of laughing at you earlier because uh, I noticed that, that in your scooter you were pacing while you talked on the phone. And, and I said, I point that out because that's what our, my family does. Every time we received any news that had to be passed on, my, my two nephews and my niece and, and my brother's girlfriend and myself, we'd jump on our phones and we'd all be pacing back and forth as we talked, walking up and down the hallways. I said, I just noticed that you were, uh, were pacing in your, uh, on your motorized cart. And one of his family members, I don't even know who, if it was sister or wife, just started laughing. Yes, he does that, doesn't he? See, when you're stuck in the hospital for several days, you begin to, you begin to develop an empathy for other families that are there. So when you step on an elevator and you see someone, you, you begin to wonder why they're there, and, and, and you certainly realize they're there because something's going wrong. Someone's having a difficult time, whether it's someone close to them or, or a husband, a wife, a child, and you know they're going through a difficult time. So, so when I exchanged smiles with this lady, I was already beginning to feel a connection with her. Uh, and, and as I glanced from her as she hit the 6-4 button over to her husband, and he smiled at me just like his wife had, and I smiled back at him just like I'd smiled at her. I, I, was, be, I, I was, without expressing words except 6-4, please, uh, I was beginning to, to develop a bond. And so what happened next, see, next seemed natural, and yet at the same time it caught me a little off guard because her husband, after he smiled at me, looked at me and and he said these words, so, you're a Jayhawk fan. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, I hesitated for a second. I thought, man, there, we really do get a, a bond with each other that, that quick. And, and, and th- then I began to wonder, well, we're, we're in Champaign-Urbana. Bill Self used to coach 
University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. So, so, you know, there's all this stuff going on. Then, then I thought, well, well, maybe he looked at me and thought, man, you look stupid. You must be a KU fan. Or, or some of you might would be on my side and think, man, you look intelligent. You must be a KU fan. And then I looked down, and right on my chest was the big Jayhawk, reflecting back at me from my shirt. If I'd looked in a mirror, it would have been shining back at me was a big Jayhawk. And obviously that's how he knew I was a Jayhawk fan. Uh, we, we've been looking at, uh, or, or actually a, a few weeks ago, I guess it's been two weeks ago now, we looked in James chapter 1 towards the end of the chapter, and we talked about about what's reflecting. And so this morning we're going to finish that thought, finish that idea, uh, and and see what he has for us today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to James, and we're going to look at verses 23 through 27. So 23 down through the end of the chapter. And I'm just going to go ahead and point out when we get towards the, the end of the sermon today, we're going to kind of, I'm going to kind of stop somewhat abruptly because we're going to pick that up again over the next two weeks and, and develop the point that he really wants us to understand there because it ties in a few verses later in chapter 2. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 1. Uh, you'll, you'll recognize the first few verses. We read those two weeks ago. Chapter 1, 22 through the end of the chapter. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Uh, we, we pointed out a couple of weeks ago that, and we're looking at two thoughts. One is there's a deception. There's there are deception. So don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. A few weeks ago, we looked at the deceptions, and, and I, just uh, it's there in your notes. I'll just touch on it quickly. Uh, sometimes we look in the mirror, and, and what we see, what we end up remembering that, that we saw in the mirror is worse than what is really there. We think of ourselves, and it's not, it's not an accurate picture. We, we remember ourselves worse than what was there. Sometimes we look in a mirror, and what we see is, is, is better than what we really should have been seen. And sometimes we look in the mirror, and we don't really even see anything at all. We miss it altogether. But but what I don't want you to miss, what I want you to catch in this idea, is that James is pounding this point, is, is strengthening this point that he wants us to be looking. He uses the analogy of looking into a mirror, and, and, and one person is deceived and forgets what he looks like, or, or you could be the one that remembers and is blessed. But it's obvious we are to be looking. We are to be looking, and James describes it. James describes it two ways: what we're to be looking at. Uh, let, let me just touch on those quickly. Verse twenty-two, he says it this way: Do not merely listen to the word. So one of the things that we're to be looking at is the word, and, and then he describes it down in verse twenty-five this way: He says, "But to the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom." So we're to be looking in the word and the perfect law. And what is the reflection? What's reflected back when we look into that, that analogy, that idea of a mirror? What do we see? 
as we pointed out a few weeks ago, uh, one thing sometimes is deceptions, but what we really should be seeing is the reflection. Is the reflection. Now let's define terms here. What is the word and what is the perfect law? If that's what if that's what we're to, to see, if we're we're to see the word uh, of the Lord, if we're to see the perfect law, what is what is he talking about? Uh for for the ones that were receiving this letter to the to the listeners that would have been reading this or hearing this these this this book read to them the first time that that would have been easy it would have been basically just the teachings of Jesus now let me ask a question see if we can get someone to get this right uh, i pointed out a couple times back when we started this series on James who was this letter and and i do need an answer who was this letter written to there was a group of people and you can be specific or kind of uh, uh, generic here who was this letter written to anyone 12 tribes of israel and who did that represent there you go perfect thank you, you someone's listening or at least read ahead read uh, james and knew that because it said right there in chapter one he started out the 12 tribes of israel which probably was representing hey he's, he's talking to jewish christians that had had fled from uh from jerusalem because of the persecution so so this letter is written to a group of people who their whole life, their concept of what it meant to seek God had suddenly changed from what it used to be to what it was now when they were looking at Jesus. Before, it had always been about following rules. Their spirituality had been defined by their ability to understand and to follow rules. That's why the that's why the Pharisees were looked up to. That's why the Pharisees were held in such esteem, or at least applied to themselves such a, such a, a nobility and esteem, because they were great rule followers. They understood all the different rules and the implication of those, and, and they followed them to the, to, to the nth degree. So, so these believers came from a background where your spirituality, your holiness, they were all tie, tied to following rules. But now they're learning it wasn't just about rules. See, it wasn't about rules. It was about Jesus. So, so when he says, when you, when you look into the, the Word or when you look into the perfect wall, what he was talking about, what, what he wanted them to, to, to see, what he wanted reflected back was Jesus and what Jesus had taught. He wanted them to remember the stories that they'd been hearing about Jesus, how how, how Jesus one day was confronted with a man with leprosy, and instead of doing what the law gave him the right to do, instead of demanding that this guy yell out, unclean, unclean, instead of following the, the prescription of the law, which was to stay away from, to flee from a, a guy with leprosy, Jesus instead did something totally different and out of character. Jesus went over and touched the guy and, and healed him, gave him purpose in life they they had heard stories about the, the story like this story the, this lady that was caught she was caught red-handed in her sin she was guilty she did not have a defense there's nothing she could say she was thrown in front of jesus probably literally naked with no clothes on and yet jesus didn't condemn he, he, he didn't he didn't ignore the sin but he didn't condemn her instead he offered her acceptance or or maybe they'd they'd heard those stories about jesus who who would rather hang out with sinners and tax collectors and people who hadn't attended the synagogue or, or made an attempt to follow the rules in years. Or, or, or maybe they'd heard stories about Jesus who, who had uh, 
had saw and reached out and offered hope and gave dignity to sinners, to children, to women, to the hurting, to the forgotten. But not, not just the stories, also the teaching of Jesus. When, when he said radical things like love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you, uh, forgive as you've been forgiven, love your neighbor as yourself, consider others better than yourself, have a heart of service. Can I simply ask this, this simple yet gut-riching question, this simple yet challenging questions. Are you looking are you looking into the word? Are you looking into the teaching of Jesus? See that's what that's the mirror that we're to be looking at. So so when we look in the mirror, what's the reflection? What's the reflection? So 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 two simple thoughts here and we'll develop it more in the next few weeks. Who do you see? When you look in that mirror when you look in that mirror and, and see that reflection, who do you see? Is it you? Is it you or, or, or possibly your, your failures? Uh, we talked about this two weeks ago, but let me just touch on it one more time. I just want to remind you that, that when we look at Jesus, we, we shouldn't see our failures. He doesn't want us to see the mistakes we made. He wants to see us, uh, us to see ourselves as he sees us. We don't see our past. We should see our potential. We don't see our failures. We should see our future. We don't see our regrets. We should see our righteousness. We don't see our pain. We should see the promises that we have. And we don't see our sin. We should see the salvation that we're offered. So when we look in that mirror, are you, are you looking at yourself and seeing, seeing those past mistakes and not seeing what you're supposed to see? Years ago, Reed and I were invited to a, uh, a Sunday school class party. It was held at that's some friend of ours, are actually Rita's boss now, Bill and Renee Cassidy. And, and, and we went down in their basement. There were a bunch of people gathered there when we arrived. And I'm, I'm standing in the basement, and over in one corner, there's a bunch of guys standing, staring at the wall. And so I'm wondering, what in the world are they looking at? So I walk over, and they're standing there staring at a picture. Now, it was, it was kind of a weird picture. It was just a bunch of lines and figures and colors, and it really didn't look at anything. I'm sitting there looking at it like, what are you guys looking at? And finally, someone says, there's a picture inside the picture. Have you guys, anyone ever seen one of those? I haven't seen them in years, but they used to have those where you look in it, and if you, if you make yourself cross-eyed, you can see a picture. Uh, we had one for a while, and, and if you look just right and stare just right, a, a, a boat would, would appear in, in the, the picture deep in, and it would almost come like 3D. It's a really freaky deal, but, but I'd never seen one before. So I'm standing there, these guys standing there looking at and I'm sitting there looking like, man, I don't see anything. And, and they said, you gotta, you gotta stand at an angle. So I stood in an angle. And then they said, no, you, you gotta, you gotta just really stare. And I, I stood there staring. And then I thought, man, they are punking me, aren't they? They're, I looked over to see if they're laughing like we got him to fall, but they're all doing the same thing. They're all just, I can't see it. And, and the, the truth is, there's, there's a, there's a picture there. It's just hard to see sometimes. Uh, so, so when you look into, the, the, the perfect law, when you look into the teachings of Jesus, when you look at the stories of Jesus and, and what he says, and, and we see him reflected, when, are we seeing ourself and our, our past, or do we see deeper and see what we're supposed to see? See, we might also kind of mess up, and, and, and he kind of touches on it here in verse 26. Now, let me read verse 26 again. If anyone considers himself religious, and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So sometimes we look in there and we see, we see you see you or you see your successes. You look back and, and, and you see the things that you've done before. 
James uses a, uh, an interesting word here. In fact, this is the only time this word is in the New Testament, the word religious. So if anyone considers himself religious, that's the only time he uses, that, that word is used in the New Testament. Um, and, and let me kind of explain uh, by telling the story what it means. Uh, one of the times when we were at the hospital, this, this ex-Marine Marvin was, uh, had walked up and I, I introduced him. Some of my, the rest of my family were there and I said, hey, this is Marvin. He's from San Diego. And uh, don't go to Danville Hospital. I think I said that, and and he kind of laughed. And so Marvin got talking, and he's telling the story, and he stopped right in the middle of the story, and he says, and he kind of looked at me, and then looked at the group, and says, "Now I don't know if you guys are religious," and he kind of hesitated for us to to respond. I, I wasn't sure what to say, so I kind of I just kind of raised my hand a little bit. Well, I guess I am. I'm a preacher. Uh, now he kept on going, and and I don't know if his story changed when I when he heard who I was. That I guess I was religious. Uh, but but he told this story and didn't really make a whole lot of sense, and so I think he must have changed what he's going to say. But the way he used that word is exactly how James means it. Are you religious? Do you do religious stuff? What, what it has is the, this idea, the idea of doing things ceremonially. Are you are you following ceremonies? Now now that isn't necessarily wrong. It isn't necessarily wrong if we keep traditions and do things like we've always done them and. And uh, our communion this morning is one of those things. It's something that we do that's somewhat of a ceremony, but, but there's meaning to it. There's purpose behind it. There, it's not necessarily wrong, but, but I think James, is, James here is tying their past into to where they need to be. Tying this, so he so uses this word religious, this ceremonial uh, obedience type thing. He says, uh, uh, if you consider yourself religious, if you consider yourself one that's doing all the right stuff, but you don't have a tight rein on your tongue. Now, I'm, I'm just going to be honest here. I don't know why James. I don't know why James put keep a tight rein on your tongue there. He, he could have done a, a number of things. He could have talked about forgiveness. He could have talked about loving your neighbor. Uh, he he could have talked about service. He could have talked about sac. There, there's, I mean, there's just endless number of things that James could have said, hey, if you think you're religious but you don't do this, your, your religion's not very good. I don't know why he did tongue. I uh, guess they were having a problem with that. We'll talk about that in a few weeks in chapter 3 when he does bring this idea about controlling your tongue back into uh, uh, to, to the forefront. But, but I think here's the deal. I think James wants us to understand if we're, if we're looking at our faith, if we're looking at our faith and, and all we're seeing is what we're doing, we're, we're seeing our successes. We're patting ourselves on the back. Then you're missing it. Uh, who do you see? I, is it you or is it his? Are, are we seeing his heart? See, when we look into that perfect law and that, that, that word, that teaching of Jesus, those stories of Jesus, those, the thoughts of Jesus, when, when we look into that mirror, are we seeing Jesus and his heart reflected in our life. Bruce, Bruce Thillman uh, is a pastor in Pittsburgh, and he tells of a conversation he had with a church member one day, and the church member said this. He said, you preachers talk a lot about doing unto others, but, but when you get right down to it, this, this church member said it comes down to basin theology. And Thillman said, I didn't have any idea what he was talking about. He said, what in the world is basin theology? He said, do you remember the night that Jesus was betrayed during the trials that, that, that Pilate uh, condemned Jesus or refused to let him go. And, and then he called for a basin of water and he washed his hands 
in the water and he washed away his and he said, I don't have responsibility. I don't take any responsibility for this. But you also remember on that same night, Jesus called for a basin of water and he sat down and he washed his disciples' feet. See, it's basin theology. Which one are you going to use? So it brings us uh, to really the next thought. What should you see? Who is it that you see, but what do you see? Do you see the real do you see the real you? Notice what he says here. Now, he kind of words it a little bit oddly here, but I think, I think this is what he's wanting us to get. Uh, verse 27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. So, so religion that he accepts as pure and faultless. And, and, and so let me, let, let me describe. He's doing a little bit of a play of words here. I think what he's saying is, is, is followers that are, uh, that, that are pure and, and faultless. So, so your walk, if your walk is pure and faultless, that's what he's talking about. So we need to see ourselves, and, and are we forgiven? Do you see yourself as forgiven? Not, not perfect, but forgiven. See, Jesus always picked people who, who didn't have their life together. He picked people who didn't have all their ducks in a row. He picked people that didn't have it figured out. He picked people like me, people like me who are sinners, people like me who are who are going to blow it big time and cause hurt and harm, and people like me who are going to be in the need of a Savior. That's who Jesus chose. And that's how we should see ourselves, as sinners who are forgiven. Religion that, that our Father accepts, or relationship that our Father accepts as pure. Pure has this idea and simply means cleansed. Simply means cleansed. Uh, I, I was on Facebook here uh, a few days ago. It must have been about last week. And, and my daughter put some family pictures on Facebook. And, and they were great. I mean, she's smiling. Her husband's got her arm around, uh, around her. Nick's giving her a hug. And he's smiling. And Devin and Eden and Caden are all, they're just smiling. Everything looks perfect. Uh, I bet you've done, I've seen some of your pictures too. You, you put those family pictures on and every hair's in place and everyone's happy and smiling. But, but it, does that really show the real family? Because you know what happened before. You, you dressed your little kid up and then you turned around and they've got, they've got a grass stain on their pants and you have to change their pants or, or, or their shirt's untucked or, or your little girl, the hair was in place and suddenly it's all, all, all messed up. And, and what you didn't see was the mom all upset trying to get everything done together and, and dad yelling at him. And then when the, the, the photographer says, okay, smile, everyone smiled, everything's perfect. But, but it really wasn't that way. So, so religion that the Father accepts as pure. So our relationship, if it's pure, doesn't mean that we're not without fault. Pure simply means cleansed. Because the truth is we're able to we're able to get that shirt tucked in and we're able to get the hair in place and we're able to get the smile on and it looks good. We're able to get there because we get clean. And that's how he wants us to see our, ourselves as forgiven. He wants us to see ourselves as accepted. He, he says, says that relationship is pure and faultless. Faultless has the idea of, of not being contaminated or uncontaminated. A couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, I was at Panda Express. I I walked in and it was about one thirty, so the the lunch rush had just ended, and 
And I walked up. There was only one other person in line. I'm thinking, sweet, I'm going to get through this really quickly. And, and, and she's standing there placing her order. And I noticed that the, the, uh, the lady had this, the lady behind the counter had a plate. And on the back of the plate, she had it turned upside down. And she's writing the lady's order. The lady had ordered uh, beef and broccoli. And I looked down at the beef and broccoli pan, and it was empty. So apparently they had run out. They were cooking some more. So she had written on the back of the plate, beef and broccoli. And then she had written, I think she wanted lo mein noodles. And, and she had written lo mein noodles. And she had written something else on it. So she's writing that. And that lady's waiting. I'm, I'm thinking, well, go ahead and take my order. I'm ready to go. I looked. They, they had the orange chicken and the sweet fire chicken breast and the fried rice. It was all right there. I'm ready to take my order. And the lady, in the process of taking her pen, and I don't know if she was going to put it in her pocket or put it in pocket down here or what, but in the process, her pen flipped up and she lost it. And, and I watched as it went up. And it landed right in the middle of the fried rice. <laughs> and the, the, the lady that had just taken the order was looking the other way. So she wasn't watching. The lady that had just dropped the ink pen in the fried rice, she did the same thing I did, up and down. And then she looked up at me. And I could read her mind. Did you see that? <laughs> and I just kind of smiled and just, I, I, I didn't say anything. I just smiled and kind of nodded to that question that wasn't asked. It didn't bother me. If you had to, you could just scoop a little bit off the top where it landed. I'd have been fine. She said, no. Nope. I had to throw it away. Why? Well, it's contaminated. Now, my world is not contaminated. I go by the five-second rule, and sometimes if it's something I really want, the 10- or 15-second rule. Uh, it says religion that is pure it doesn't mean it's not without fault, but it's clean. It's, it's cleansed. It's clean. Religion that is faultless, that means it's not contaminated. Uh, that's the kind of, kind of faith we need to have. And we'll come back to this, this next point. You can go ahead and write it in your, your notes. Is We are his, or you are his. Now, now we're actually going to finish this point the next two weeks we're, we're going to get in chapter two and he's going to hit the points but but here's what i want you to see i want you to see the real purpose so that's what he's talking about here uh when when we look at what's reflected we see the real purpose and, and here's the real purpose it's that we're to meet needs and we're to meet god verse 27 says that religion that god accepts as pure and faultless is this and what's he say to look at look after orphans and widows in their distress Kind of a, uh, uh, a little little hint ahead of times that that's not all we have to do. It's not just orphans and widows. We'll talk more what he really meant there, and we'll develop that here in a couple of weeks. But 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 we have to meet needs, and we have to meet God. Keep ourselves from being polluted by the world, separated from the world. A couple of weeks ago, Johnny, you guys can come on up. 
couple weeks ago, I had uh, a unique privilege. I drove down to Kansas City, Kansas, and uh, and was invited into a uh, a courtroom. Normally, that's not a good thing, but that day it was. I was invited into a courtroom, and I sat at the back of the courtroom as uh, Bobby and uh, Carrie and the kids all set up. Uh, well, they were trying to get them to sit in chairs. They went from being in chairs to playing on the floor to chasing a puppy around a courtroom to all kinds of stuff. But but Bobby and Carrie were were there in that courtroom to adopt the, the three littles. And and I had the unique privilege to watch as that judge took a gavel. In fact, she kind of laughed. She said, I guess I'm supposed to do this. She took a gavel and hit it on on the table. And with that, with that declaration, with that act, three children were given a new name. Ishmael Araceli and Annabelle Mendoza had their names changed. Ishmael big time because he... His first name was changed to, to Liam to match the other boys with the L name. But, but their name was changed to Liam, Araceli, and Annabelle Watkins. Just like that. Just like that, they had a new name. But what that new name really meant was that now and forever, they belonged. For now and forever, they were a part of a family. The last year and a half, two years, whatever it is, they've really been apart, but, but now it was official. You are, you are Watkins. You are our kids. We're called, we're called to look into the perfect law. We're called to look into the word of Jesus and have not a religion that is defined by outward stuff like keeping ordinances and just following rules but but a religion that is defined by doing what jesus did by following him and we're invited into that family by what jesus did for us if you're here this morning and you're not part of that family then really it's simple you just have to make the decision to ask jesus to be a part of your life to be obedient to him and to live your life for Him. But we're called to, to not be deceived, but to reflect. So when people look at you, and they say, oh, you must be a believer. And you look, how did you know? Well, they see Jesus reflected in your life. Would you stand as we sing this morning? Let's pray before we sing our last song. Father, We pray this morning that you can give us the wisdom to not be deceived, to to not look and see failures, not look and see successes and pat ourselves on the back, but to see you and your son Jesus reflected in our lives. Father, help us to serve and to live and to love like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.